I will sing forever of your love. Come down with my hands to heaven. Shout your praises loud. I was lost in darkness when you pulled me out. I will sing forever of your love. Come down. I once was blind.
Good morning. Our scripture reading is Psalm 1 and Psalm 150. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. It's great to see you as uh, we gather for worship today. Uh, a couple things I want to mention to you. Uh, there's some inserts in your bulletin about working in the nursery. Also, uh, Sunday school classes. Sunday school starts next week. And you see the uh, options there for you. And also small groups on the back of that. Uh, also, next Sunday is the beginning of Christian Life Emphasis Week. Uh, David Drury is our speaker. And uh, you can see the schedule there. We're doing a few things different this year. We'll have the coffee house on Monday night, but we're having a dorm gathering on Tuesday night. Just a chance for question and answers and dialogue a bit uh, with him. Uh, also, today, tonight at, at uh, 7 o'clock is the first gathering of Koinonia, the worship time. We invite you to that at Wesley Chapel uh, tonight at 7. So I hope you are able to be a part of that gathering. Uh, also, uh, in the pew racks in front of you, there are some sheets 
that uh, have a place for information on it, the number of boxes you can check if you're interested in things. Uh, this is something new we're doing. We're just trying to get a, uh, a handle on just making sure we have communication and addresses and contact things correct. So if you wouldn't mind taking a moment, if you want to, to fill out that sheet, even if you've been coming here a long time, uh, just to make the connections, make sure we have information right. Just fill that out. You can drop in the offering plate a little later or leave it at the end of the pew and we'll pick them up afterwards. I want to give you an opportunity to uh, share a word of greeting with others here in worship. So let's stand and greet one another. I think one of the great struggles that we have in our understanding of God is that he created us for joy. God's intent for his creatures was that we would experience joy. Jesus says uh, to his disciples that he has come to bring not just life, but abundant life. Life to the fullest, to all the designs that God has intended for his people. When Adam and Eve are placed in the Garden of Eden, God says to them, be fruitful, multiply, enjoy everything that I have given you. That's why, that's the the purpose of God's creation for us. As the Catechism says, to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. I think we wrestle with that because life isn't always what feels like joy. Life takes twists and turns. Life takes, we have bumps and struggles. And and in those moments, we think, Lord, it doesn't feel like your intent is joy. It feels like it might be pain. But the scriptures keep telling us again and again and again that God's intent for his creation is joy. And the scriptures also tell us that the pathway to joy is rooted in a life of praise and worship. I think that's what Psalm 150 is telling us. Psalm 150 that just keeps repeating, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, is trying to help us understand that the pathway to joy is worship. It's it's praising God. It's it's giving our attention and our energy to God. Psalm 150 is the climax of the Psalms. I think a lot of times we have this sense that that the Psalms are 150 different poems that have really nothing much to do with each other. But scholars are, are seeing more and more all the time that there is a purpose to the Psalms. There is a flow to the Psalms. That there's a reason there's a first Psalm and it's that one. And there's a reason that this one is the 150th Psalm. And I think the 150th Psalm is a climax of everything that's gone before. All the ups and the downs and the struggles and the burdens and the victories climax in, praise the Lord, worship. It sort of reminds me of of a symphony and, and, a, and a piece that an orchestra plays that begins with just a flute. And then maybe you add a little bit of winds, oboe. And then you begin to add a little bit of brass and a little more brass and a timpani until all the music is together. And by the time you get to the end of the piece, there is this swell of glorious music. I think what made me think about that is that I, I like, I always liked conducting. Maybe it's just like being in charge. Maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not sure. But, but I've always liked conducting. 
I've had a few opportunities to conduct choirs and things through the years, but actually most of my conducting is done when nobody else is around. And it's probably a good thing. Uh, you know, I, I, like, I like put on music, and, and I just want, and I just stand there, and I just start conducting this orchestra all the way through. You know, a little more strings, a little more brass. You know, that's too much. You know, uh, and, and the whole thing is just, just going through all of this. Even this morning, we were singing. I caught myself conducting the song as we we're going through it. There is something about what I find for myself is when I do that, I am really engaging the music. I'm not just listening to it and not even just enjoying it. I am engaging myself in it. And maybe it's not conducting for you, but something you do that really you know, I am so engaged in this music. And I think that's what the psalmist is calling us to. He's saying, look, you can't just sit back and praise God. You cannot, be, you cannot be apathetic and lethargic about praising God. Praising God is about engaging us with God. And that's why he keeps repeating it. That's why he keeps talking about all the places we praise God and all the ways in which we praise God. It is engaging us in who God is. I love the fact that this psalm has so much diversity to it. He talks about um, not just praise the Lord, but, but he says, praise God in his sanctuary, his mighty heavens, for his mighty works, his unequaled greatness. And then he starts talking about what we use to praise God. The ram's horn, the lyre, the harp, the tambourine, even dancing. That was, that's X'd out of, I think, some of the other Bibles that I've used through the years. Um, or or it's, it's in parentheses, he didn't really mean that. Um, strings and flutes and the clash of cymbals, even loud clanging cymbals. Over and over and over again. All these different instruments, all the different things that are available to us. Use them all to praise God. Because there is not just one instrument or one way to praise God. When you're really engaged with God, it takes up everything that you are. I love the fact that most of the, the words, the, most of the times the word praise is used in the scriptures, it's in the plural form. I mean, it's great that we praise God independently and on our own. But what the scripture is really calling us to is this corporate praise. And one of the problems with corporate praise is that it's not always what I want. I didn't get to be the exact sounds that I want to hear, the exact instrument that I want to hear. It isn't the, it isn't the, the exact way that I want to do it. And we think the most profound praise is when I get to do what I want to do the way I want to do it. And the scriptures are saying to us, no, the most profound praise is when you take your praise and you mix it with everybody else's praise. The hard part of that is that sometimes the way other people praise feels like a clanging cymbal to us. Right? We start going, oh, that grates on me. Maybe this instrument grates on you. Maybe these instruments grate on you. Maybe it's the way that you, we do that grates on you. But there are things that have it all great because it's not exactly what I want. And the psalmist is saying, it really doesn't matter. It's about all of us coming together and praising God. Sometimes, it feel, I was thinking, it feels, like, it feels like we are the Grinch standing at the top of, of Mount Trumpet, looking down on Whoville. This is before he has this change. You know, his heart grows, gets three sizes too big or whatever. But he's standing up there and he said, you know, it drives him crazy about how they, all their toys and things. But the real thing, oh, the noise, 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 right? Do you remember that? And I think sometimes that's how we feel. Because when we start joining in with other people who see worship differently than we do, what they do feels like noise. What I find amazing is that God seems to think it sounds like harmony. And God likes harmony. God loves it when his people bring all of their gifts and their thoughts and their perspectives together. And God, and to God, it is this beautiful sounding symphony of worship and praise and adoration. And I think part of that is because when we are willing to join with others and others with us, the focus is not on us, 
It's on God. And you can't really praise God and focus on me. It's impossible. It might seem like it. We might be pretending like it. But it's not really. We're just going through the motions. And that's not praise. That's not worship. You cannot fake worship and it be worship. And so the psalmist is saying, we join together. And it's not just the way we worship. It's about all of life. It's all the things that we do. Because worship isn't limited to just sitting here in church, as he says, in the heavens, in the sanctuary, in all the places of God's creation we worship. And we worship with everything that we do. When we're filing papers, we worship. When we're writing papers, we worship. When we're giving lectures or listening to lectures, we worship. When we're doing such mundane things like cleaning toilets or dusting or vacuuming or driving somewhere or doing all the different things that life is about, every single moment is an opportunity to praise God and to worship Him. And the psalmist is saying, let all of us together worship God. To worship God doesn't mean that we are trying to just appease God. Sometimes people will say, man, he must be really insecure if he's just continually saying, got to worship him, got to praise him, got to make sure he's, we stroke his ego and stroke his ego and make sure everything's okay. That's not what we're talking about. What the psalmist is saying, what scripture is saying to us is, if we don't worship God, if we don't praise God, then we are turning our attention away from God. And we are turning our attention not just away from God, but away from the source of joy and life. The point of worship is not to appease God, nor is it to put us in the center is to put God in the center so that we can experience the fullness of God. I think sometimes we have this feeling that that our journey with God is first and foremost about us. I was reading an article this week, uh, it's about preaching, and the person was saying that, you know, one of the things they're wrestling with is what's the point of a sermon? They said most of us think the point of the sermon is the application. What do we do about this? And that's extremely important. I mean, if you, if you preach a sermon and no one has any idea what to do with it, then what have we really done? But the point he was making was maybe application isn't the primary purpose. Maybe the primary purpose is to focus on God. And that got me thinking about why we read Scripture. Why we come to worship. Is do we read scripture saying, God, this is only meaningful if I get something out of it. It only has merit if it speaks to me. It only has meaning if it speaks to me. Or do we read scripture? Do we engage ourselves in worship? Because it gives us an opportunity to see who God is. And to praise him and to worship him. I think that's what Walter Brueggemann was saying when he said Torah keeping, and Torah is the law, does, not, does, does arrive at obedience. But obedience is not the final goal. Such a life arrives at unencumbered praise. And in this light, the expectation of the Old Testament is not finally obedience, it's adoration. I think that's what the psalmist is saying. Do we learn? Do we understand? Is there application? Of course there is. That, that's important. And is obedience important? Yes, it is. But ultimately, it's about adoring, praising, worshiping God. And I think that's why it's so important to understand that I'm not sure we really can understand Psalm 150 unless we see it in the context of Psalm 1. In Psalm 1, the writer says, Blessed are those who don't uh, hang out with, who don't, uh, don't give themselves to the things that the people who reject God do. And then he says, they delight in the law of the Lord. They meditate on it day and night. 
Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I don't tend to think of law as being something I delight in. I find law, the very word law, to feel restrictive. If you're on 390 going to Rochester, you want to drive 85 miles an hour. Why do we not do that? Is it because we think that might be a little dangerous? Probably, maybe, but I think probably the motivation is there might be a state trooper when we go over the rise of the next hill. Right? We start doing your taxes. You know, you're thinking about all the laws that the government created. Nobody really, I don't know of anyone who says, oh, I can't wait to pay my taxes. You know, there's this law of paying our taxes. Why do we do it? Because we live a part of this country. We're citizens. It's an obligation we make. Or is it because we really don't want to get a letter from the IRS? We, we don't, laws are not something we typically think of as positive. We see them as restrictive. And the psalm, But the psalmist says, I delight in the law of God. How is that possible? Because the law of God is not just rules. It's about who God is. The law for, for the psalmist would probably have been the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. Maybe some of the prophets, some of their history. And the psalmist is saying, what I really discover in the law is that God cares about us. That God loves us. Because Every, everything God says to Israel about they do and they don't do is for their benefit. It's for their benefit uh, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, relationally. Every single way that they ex- exist as human beings and as a people, all of these laws, whether they understand them or not, are for their good. It's to keep them out of trouble. It's to keep them close to God to keep them close to the source of joy. And the psalmist understands what we sometimes struggle to understand, that the word of God is a delight. Because the word of God teaches us who God is. How do we know that God is loving? Because we read it in the scriptures. How do we know that God is forgiving? Because we read it in the scriptures. How do we know that there was a baby born in Bethlehem? That a man died on the cross, that he rose from the grave, he ascended to heaven, and he's promised to return because it's told to us in the scriptures. How do we know that God is almighty? Because we read it in the scriptures. And meditating on the scriptures gives us the context for praise, for worship. Eugene Peterson tells of going to visit a parishioner one time when he was a pastor. He said, we walked into the house. The woman was sitting by her front window doing embroidery. And um, she had her, you know, the the, uh, cloth was stretched out over an oval frame, as you have to do when you embroider. And when he walked in, she said to him, Pastor, I figured out what's wrong with my life. Wow, every pastor loves to hear that. That's awesome. Tell me. She said... I've realized that I don't have any framework for my life. So I'm sitting here doing this needlepoint and stretched over this frame and it struck me. Everything in my life, all of my thoughts and my attitudes and my actions and my words, they're all loose and sloppy because I don't have any framework. And they had a long conversation about how the word of God is an awesome framework. For life. And out of the frame. Because you can't do needlepoint. Uh, you can't do that kind of embroidery. Without a frame. And what does the frame help you do? Create something beautiful. And the word of God. Helps us to create. Helps us to live beautiful lives. In praise and adoration and worship. And here's the thing about it. Is that adoration. Praise. Worship. And delighting in the law are cyclical in our journey with God. As we look at the scriptures, as we, as we understand more and more of who God is, we begin to realize he is a pretty awesome God and we want to praise him. And the more we open ourselves up to praise him, the more we want to figure out who God is, which drives us back to the scriptures. And the more time we spend in the scriptures understanding who God is, the more we want to praise him for who he is. And every, it's just this cycle of every time we learn something more about who God is, we want to offer him praise because our minds have been opened to see the greatness of God. 
And the psalmist understands that. There is a reason why these two psalms bookend everything in between. Because the psalmist in Psalm 1 real says to us that the way the pathway to joy the pathway to life is god when you get to psalm 150 the psalmist is saying i've seen it i've experienced it it's true i want to praise god C.S. Lewis once said something like this. He said, if God is the, is the beautiful, magnificent being that he declares himself to be, then to worship him and to adore him is really simply just to be awakened. It is to enter in to the real world. And that's what the psalmist is calling us to. These two bookend psalms are calling us to enter into the real world in which God is revealed and we offer him praise and adoration and worship and find in that Deep joy. Amen. Please stand and join us as we sing together. What?
Please be seated. You probably noticed that the worship order is a little bit different this morning. Uh, that was intentional. Uh, we don't want to just talk about praising God. We want to praise God. And so we've just sung. We'll sing some more. We're going to give you an opportunity in a few moments to share your expressions of praise to God. And we're going to offer prayer to God. And in a few moments to give our gifts to God. So let's pray together. 
Father, we come today in awe and adoration and worship of you. We offer to you our highest praise, all that we are. We want to thank you for being present with us today. Thank you for all the ways in which you are involved and the ways in which you bless our lives and our world. We come today with a variety of concerns and burdens on our hearts. And we want to declare this morning that uh, our thanksgiving, that you are at work in each of those things. Thank you for giving comfort to everyone who is grieving. Thank you for your healing grace upon all who are struggling with pain and difficulties. Thank you that you are healing, restoring our broken relationships. Thank you that you are giving us hope and guidance for the future. Thank you that you are present to give us peace in our anxiety and our fears. We thank you. We thank you, Father, that you are at work in this place and in other places in which people come and gather for worship today. We thank you that, that you are present with the Friendship Church of God in Christ. We thank you for what you're doing in that congregation of believers, helping them to be bonded together and to be a witness to their community and beyond. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing uh, beyond us as well. We thank you for, for places like the, the Fillmore Youth Center and the Southern Tier Youth for Christ and Houghton Academy All of these places that minister to teens. We thank you for what you're doing in each place. And the people who are working there. And the lives that are touched through their service. Father, we thank you for what you're doing beyond us in this nation, in this world. We thank you, Father, that you are present in in places where there are disasters and tragedies. And we think particularly of the islands of Hawaii. We thank you that you are there. Thank you for your church that is a presence for you there. Thank you for for healing the brokenness and the pain. Thank you for being present in that place and others. Thank you, Father, that you are with refugees, keeping them safe, protecting them giving them places to call home in very difficult circumstances. Thank you that you are present in places of violence and war, bringing the presence of your peace and your people of peace. We thank you, Father, that you are present in your church around the world. We we thank you for the church in Chad, Despite the difficult circumstances they face, thank you for giving them your grace and your presence. And as they start these new camps for for children, we thank you that you are present there. We thank you that you are helping those who are leading the camps and working in the camps. We thank you for what you're going to do in the lives of the children that are able to attend the camps. And things that will happen far beyond just a week or so of time away. Father, thank you for your presence, your work in this world and our lives. We celebrate today uh, our children as well. We thank you for for the, the new babies that are being born. And we thank you today for Macy Taylor. We thank you for being present. We thank you for helping this family. We thank you for your grace upon this little one family. Thank you for being present. Father, thank you for being with us today. Be glorified in our words, our songs, our hearts, everything about us. We ask this through Christ Jesus. Amen. I'd like to invite our ushers forward as we give back to God through our tithes and offerings.
give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord, it's your breath in our
Please be seated. We uh, want to take a few moments just to give you an opportunity to share a brief word of praise or thanksgiving to God. We are so excited to have uh, all the college students back and we'd love to hear from you. Perhaps something God has done for you over the summer or something recently. Uh, just a word of praise, a brief word of praise, thanksgiving to God uh, as we continue to in this time of worship and praise this morning. Who wants to go first? We have a microphone here in the balcony and in down here so everyone can hear. <laughs> My heart is so full today to be back in this place. Folks, Houghton has always been a place where people have come and understood their purpose for this world. And I think of Willard J. Houghton and James S. Lucky and Warren Woolsey and Brady Gillette and Catherine Lindley and Andy Oden and Matt Webb and Wes Oden. the college student uh, report here. <laughs> um, my name is Donnie Stockin, and I lost my mom a few weeks ago, and I think I want to share with you um, how great God is not only in the big things, but in the small details of our lives. I've had this happen usually at times of great grief that I'll find a verse in the Bible or something like that, but two weeks ago I was driving to Maryland where our granddaughter oldest granddaughter is starting at Mount St. Mary's, and I uh, was joining my daughters down there to say farewell to her. And at the exact time, it was a week after my mother died, the exact time came when I glanced at my watch and I was driving, and I said, well, this is when Mom died a week ago. Just then, uh, I'm going to get the wrong bird, <laughs> bald eagle, flew right out in front of my car and across the windshield. I didn't hit it. <laughs> and it was just the verse um, they shall mount up with wings like eagles came to me so I went on I felt like it was a real hug hmm. from God at that moment and I went on to Mount St. Mary's and they have those emotional farewell chapels and I was feeling very emotional as we came out of the farewell mass and over the entire valley I don't know if you know that university but it sits high on a hill the chapel there was a complete rainbow. And mm. it was just like two hugs. Mm. So cool. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. We're going to close today uh, singing the uh, hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Henry Van Dyke wrote this uh, hymn a number of years ago. He was visiting some, some people at Williams College in the Berkshires. And he got up one morning and just, just was filled with awe and wonder and praise for God at the creation around him. And he sat down and he penned these words. He came to the breakfast table with the family where he was staying. And he said, this is a gift I want to give you. But he said, here's the thing. You have to sing this song to Beethoven's Ode to Joy. 
is that that's the thing you have to sing it to. And I know, I mean, it's hard for me to think of any other tune that fits these words so appropriately as that. I've been thinking a lot about that, this, that song this week, and particularly the beginning of the fourth verse. The beginning of the fourth verse says, Mortals, join the mighty chorus. Mortals, join the mighty chorus, which the morning stars began. Those words have been going through my mind. We don't start praising God. We are joining with all of creation and all that, every being in praising God. Because he's worthy and he's good. And so I want to invite you to stand and as we sing this together to just as an expression of not only our praise, but our joyful praise to God for who he is and what he's done. Let's stand. Receive the benediction. Go from this place knowing that God loves you, that God forgives you, that God is good. And may you live in the joy, the praise of God this day and every day. Amen.